Welcome to Pop Culture Rx, part of Hackensack Meridian Health's award-winning podcast. Pop Culture Rx is where we sit down with a medical expert and talk through various health-related topics circulating in today's media. In our discussions, you'll hear from a variety of professionals sharing insight and advice on these newsworthy conditions. This is Pop Culture Rx. Today's podcast is all about Kim Kardashian West, and on the reality show Keeping Up with the Kardashians, Kim Kardashian West shared her medical journey with the world when she opened up about her autoimmune blood test. And those results, which were a mix of both good and bad news, were the results from her having pain in her hands. The good news was that after further testing, she did not have lupus or rheumatoid arthritis, even though her blood antibodies said positively, they tested positively for lupus and rheumatoid arthritis. The bad news was, is that she had psoriatic arthritis. So today I'm here with Dr. Deborah Alpert, and she is a board certified rheumatologist with Hackensack Meridian Health Medical Group. So thank you so much for having us here today. Thank you for inviting me today. So before we jump into Kim's story, what made you become a doctor and choose rheumatology out of all the services you could have went into? Uh, so choosing rheumatology came out of my PhD work. I actually got my MD and PhD at NYU Medical Center, and I worked on um, what's called cytokine signaling. There are inflammatory molecules in the body. One is called TNF or tumor necrosis factor. And it's actually the basis of a lot of medications we use to treat autoimmune disease, such as rheumatoid arthritis and psoriatic arthritis. So my work there um, got me interested in autoimmunity and immunology. And then when I started my medical training, that's what I was most interested in. And being able to use the medications, one of which came out of research in my lab, which predated me, was, was very exciting. Yeah, it's cause, because, you know, when else do you get to use something that you actually did research on and know exactly how it works? So first, before you know, we really dive in, can you tell us what lupus is? So lupus is an autoimmune disease. And what, what is autoimmune? So autoimmune means your immune system is inappropriately, inappropriately attacking your own tissue. So our immune system is very helpful. We need our immune system to fight off infections. But sometimes in some people who have autoimmune disease, and there's various different types of autoimmune disease, types of diabetes and thyroid disease are also autoimmune diseases, where your body inappropriately attacks other tissue. So in my types of diseases, often those tissues include joint tissues. In autoimmune thyroid disease, it would include the thyroid or the pancreas in, in types of diabetes. So it's an inappropriate response of your immune system. And in treating various autoimmune diseases, we have to target um, quieting down the immune system. So lupus is one type of autoimmune disease. It's very difficult to explain um, often, as was taught to me, you can take 10 patients in a room with lupus, and they will have 10 completely different constellation of symptoms. So it's not, you know, lupus can include arthritis, it can include skin disease, it can include heart and lung disease, it can include kidney disease. So it varies depending upon the patient. But it's an autoimmune disease. There's certain criteria to have a diagnosis of lupus, but you can have um, inappropriate immunity targeting different tissues. Okay. So now what's, because she was tested for both lupus and rheumatoid arthritis, so what's the difference between the two of them? Are they, because they're both autoimmune mm -hmm. diseases, as you mentioned. So if she was tested for lupus, she probably had a blood test called an ANA or an anti-nuclear antibody, which is typically positive and active lupus. So what is an ANA? It's antibodies against 
various proteins in the nucleus of cells. There could be numerous different proteins that it could be against. So she probably tested positive for mm -hmm. that. Um, women can test positive for an ANA and not have autoimmune disease. They can have a family history of autoimmune disease and test positive for an ANA. So a positive ANA test in and of itself does not give you a diagnosis of lupus or autoimmune disease. It's that test in combination with seeing the patient and their constellation of symptoms and other presentations and physical exam that allows us to make a diagnosis of lupus. lupus a lupus diagnosis is not based upon a blood test. There are also blood tests for rheumatoid arthritis. One is called the rheumatoid factor. One is called anti-CCP. That stands for cyclic citronylated peptide. You don't have to worry about that. I do, but you don't. <laughs> um, and so these tests can be positive in up to 75% of patients with rheumatoid arthritis, but you can have rheumatoid arthritis and have negative blood tests. You can have these blood tests positive and not have rheumatoid arthritis. So again, blood tests are only a part of what we use to diagnose autoimmune diseases such as lupus and rheumatoid arthritis. It's the blood test in combination with the entire clinical picture. So you mentioned that you can have a positive, a false positive basically. Why is that? And is that pretty common? I would say maybe 15% of healthy patients, typically women, they can have a false positive ANA. Sometimes autoimmune thyroid disease can give you a positive ANA. So it's not uncommon. And what is common is me getting asked to see patients for a positive ANA. And then I look at the whole picture and sometimes I think they do have a connective tissue disease or autoimmune disease. Sometimes they may not, but they might be at higher risk. There are studies that showing that patients who have positive ANAs who have a family history may go on to develop an autoimmune disease or may not. So so they should be followed for various symptoms, and I usually educate my patients, what do I look for? If I have this ANA, what should I be concerned about? When should I be worried that something might be going on? But it doesn't mean that they're going to definitely develop an autoimmune disease. And so Kim had an ultrasound of her hands, basically, to reveal her official diagnosis. I have never heard of a hand ultrasound. I've heard of an ultrasound for your baby. Mm -hmm. I get thyroid ultrasounds, mm -hmm. you know, different parts of your body, they ultrasound. But a hand ultrasound, like what are you, are you even seeing in there? Don't you just see the bones? So, okay, so, so that's a very good question. So uh, if you get an x-ray of your hands, then mm -hmm. you see the bones. You might see some soft tissue swelling. If someone has very aggressive arthritis, whether it be psoriatic arthritis or rheumatoid arthritis, you might see some um what we call osteopenia or weakening of the bones, you might see some damage to the joints. You might see early erosions. You might see early narrowing of the joints. This is from an x-ray. Oftentimes in someone who presents with early rheumatoid or early psoriatic arthritis, you see nothing. You might see some soft tissue swelling and that's it. MRI and ultrasound of the hands lets you see a bit more. So in ultrasound, you could see a few things that you can't see on x-ray and you could diagnose earlier. You could see something called synovitis. That's inflammation of the joint. So you can see that actually on an ultrasound or an MRI that you can't see on an x-ray. Um, in psoriatic arthritis, unlike rheumatoid, there's something called enthesitis. And again, these are all terms that I'm throwing out, but that's inflammation of the tendons. That's more common in psoriatic arthritis less so in rheumatoid, which is typically more joint. So you can see enthesitis of the hands on ultrasound. So yes, we, we do employ ultrasounds of the hands, not all the time, but in patients where we're unsure of a diagnosis and we want to see, is there truly inflammation? Is there damage? Is there damage to the joints? Is there um, involvement of the, the joints? Is there involvement of the tendons? Ultrasound of the hands or MRI of the hands can tell us. Interesting. All right, so I might schedule myself for that. So keep that in mind. Anyway... Kim was feeling super tired, she was nauseous, she had swollen and numb hands. Are there any other symptoms of 
some of these autoimmune diseases such as lupus and psoriatic arthritis that you should be aware of? So absolutely. So lupus, rheumatoid arthritis, psoriatic arthritis, these are all what we call systemic diseases. So they don't just involve the joints, they involve the whole body. Fatigue is a big component of a lot of the diseases I treat. Now, fatigue is also a very vague symptom. It could be caused by numerous things. It could be caused by anemia, by thyroid disease, by autoimmune disease. And we try in an exam and in a history to tease that out. But fatigue could be a big component. Um, so all these diseases are systemic. They don't just involve the joints. Lupus is probably the best example of a systemic disease. Lupus can involve the skin. It can involve the hair. It can involve the eyes. It can involve the heart. It can involve the lungs. It can involve the kidneys. That doesn't mean if you have lupus, you're guaranteed to have all those organ systems involved, but we look for everything, and we're very careful with our lupus patients. Rheumatoid arthritis typically involves the joints, but in people with more severe disease, it can involve the skin, it can involve the heart and lungs. Uh, chronic uh, active inflammation with rheumatoid arthritis can affect the kidneys, So, and it can cause fatigue. A lot of my patients, when their rheumatoid arthritis is untreated, have a lot of fatigue, and as we treat them, the fatigue improves. Same thing with psoriatic arthritis. Psoriatic arthritis can often, but not all always be associated with psoriasis, so it can affect the skin, can affect the eyes. Sometimes people with psoriatic arthritis can also have inflammatory bowel disease as well, like Crohn's disease or ulcerative colitis, so it can affect the gut, can affect the heart. So these are all systemic diseases that can affect the joints predominantly, but can affect other organ systems and can cause fatigue, so we keep an eye out. You know, if someone has nausea, do they also have diarrhea? Can, could they have Crohn's disease as well if they have psoriatic arthritis? These are things we're looking at and looking for. And is it common to have multiple um, autoimmune diseases? Like, for example, I was just diagnosed with celiac. Is it common for, you know, Kim to maybe also have celiac in addition to So you can. So we often see autoimmune thyroid disease in our patients. You can have Hashimoto's thyroiditis mm -hmm. and lupus or rheumatoid arthritis. Celiac is very common. Can you have celiac in another autoimmune disease? You certainly can. Can you have uh, type 1 diabetes in another autoimmune disease? You certainly can. So the, the answer is yes. Okay. But is it common to have more than one? It is common because okay. if your immune system is dysregulated, I often see patients who have multiple, multiple. autoimmune diseases, some of them of which we treat, some of them we co-manage, let's say, with an endocrinologist or with a gastroenterologist. Okay. So unfortunately, yes. So one thing I really admired about Kim's story was how she really became her own advocate. And I know myself because I was just diagnosed with celiac, so if you were a listener back, I was talking about thyroid disease and Hashimoto's. Turns out it was all related to gluten and I was having joint pain and I know that a lot of doctors brushed me off and you know blood tests were coming back negative, but both Kim and I pushed for answers. Do you as a physician appreciate or have patients come to you all the time just being like, I feel like I'm crazy, but I know I'm not crazy? Very, very frequently. And actually, I've diagnosed a lot of celiac when the predominant symptoms weren't gastrointestinal. So can you have celiac with fatigue, with joint pains, with skin rashes? Absolutely. What tips us off to celiac is we see iron deficiency, we see low vitamin levels, like low vitamin B, low vitamin D, we see evidence of malabsorption. And you can check for celiac, as you probably know, with some antibodies in the blood, and then you wanna confirm it with endoscopically. And fortunately, celiac can be treated uh, with a gluten-free diet. But so as, a rheum as rheumatologists, myself included, a lot of times when patients come to us with a lot of generalized complaints, achiness, joint pains, but then I see anemia and other things, we look for and think about celiac, and again, I've diagnosed celiac uh, on multiple occasions.
Yeah, it was just, it's very interesting because sometimes you, you get your blood test back and you think it's one thing or you think, like in Kim's case, you think it's lupus and then it turns out to be something, something else. totally else. Um, so Kim pushed for getting tested and having further testing, especially after how her doctor said her blood test could reveal a false positive, which we spoke about. How is one tested for these autoimmune diseases? Is it strictly blood tests or are there other ways to be tested? So that's, that's what the beauty of, of rheumatology is, that it's not one single test that makes a diagnosis of lupus or rheumatoid arthritis or psoriatic arthritis. It's really a big clinical picture. And I tell people this all the time. They get worried. I had a positive lupus test. Oh, my goodness, I have lupus. Um, so when I get a patient referral for, for a concern for a positive blood test, I spend a lot of time with them. I look at their blood work. I look at, besides the, the positive test, so to speak, I look at other facets of their blood work, and I get a good history. Part of being a rheumatologist is getting a good patient history and a good physical exam. And a diagnosis of either of these three illnesses or other connective tissue diseases is a complex clinical and laboratory-based diagnosis, that after I spend all this time with the patient, review their labs, I can tell them what I think. I might not even know at that time. I might say, this is what I'm thinking. I need more information. I want to get that ultrasound of your hands. I want to get additional blood work. So all of these diagnoses, they're not based upon a single blood test. The blood test in and of itself does not have significant meaning in the absence of a clinical context. Okay, so it's a number of things that basically... And that's what we as rheumatologists put together. Okay. So a lot of times when someone sh shows me a lab test and asks me what I think, I, my answer is I really don't know. I have to see the patient, get a full history and examine them. And then after that, then I can really tell you what I think is going on. So now we figured out what's going on. What are some treatments to these different illnesses? So the beauty, another beauty of being a rheumatologist nowadays is we have so many different options to treat actually all three of these illnesses. Um, and during my career, I've actually seen more and more treatment options become available. Um, first of all, anti, to start from the bottom up, you have anti-inflammatories, your, your ibuprofen, your Aleve, that can help day-to-day -day for symptoms. They're not enough, typically. We have other small molecule pills that can be used, and we have a lot of biologic therapies, injection therapies, and you see them advertised on TV with golf players and whatnot, um, that can really help tremendously. Not everybody needs those medications, but as rheumatologists, we can see and we can kind of gauge what someone needs, and we have a lot of options if one option's insufficient to move on to others. So there are a lot of treatment options from very simple options to some small molecule uh, oral options to biologic biologic therapies, that it really is very gratifying to treat these diseases because we can treat them so well. And the goal is remission. The goal is getting people 100% better and fully functional to participate in all types of um, activities of daily living as well as recreational and vocational activities as well. So the goal is clinical remission. And especially for young patients, I guess like Kim as well, you can really tell them that you would hope to get them close to 100% better. We can't get yeah. everybody 100% better, but our goal is not saying, ah, we'll get you a little better. Maybe you'll be able to do this. The goal is really 100%. And we have so many tools at our disposal to be able to do this. You mentioned how we're trying to get them 100% better. This is something, an autoimmune disease is something that you will have with you for you know your whole life. When people get diagnosed or when people get put on a medication, very commonly I get asked, "Are you gonna, am I going to be on this forever? Do I need to take this forever? And I tell people, you know, forever is a very long time. But a couple of thoughts. So if you have high blood pressure, 
it's, you need to take medication for your high blood pressure. If you don't take the medication, your blood pressure will still be high. Of course, you can make lifestyle changes. Maybe that would go away. If you have type 1 diabetes where you're insulin dependent, you're going to be dependent on insulin for the rest of your life. That's not going to go away. If you have thyroid disease, you're typically chronically dependent on thyroid medication. So our diseases are chronic. Rarely someone can go into a complete clinical remission on medication or very rarely off medication. But we tell people, I tell them it's chronic. I don't say forever because who knows, maybe we'll have the cure for lupus or the cure yeah. and you don't need it. But for now it's chronic. But then I remind people that a lot of diseases that we think about hypertension, diabetes, these are also chronic. Yeah. So this is similar. This is not like a, a cold where it's a virus, it'll go away, you'll be fine. They're chronic. We can get people very well controlled on medications with minimal to no side effects and get people into remission. Rarely, if someone's doing well, could I pull back on their medications? We can consider it. So it is possible to be in a drug-free remission, although it's rare. But I tell people chronic. I change the term from forever to chronic, but manageable. How can we avoid contracting an autoimmune disease? Is this something that we could, you know, exercise and eat healthy food and we're not going to get so unfortunately, you, you mentioned contract. So it's not an infection. Like, you know, I'm <laughs> going to avoid Ebola because I'm not going to go to a third world country. So there's genetic and environmental components to autoimmune diseases. So if there's a first degree family history of having it, that doesn't mean you're going to have, you know, if, you have, if your mom had rheumatoid arthritis, you're at higher risk of developing rheumatoid arthritis. Is it a guarantee that you're going to develop rheumatoid arthritis? Absolutely not. But something in your environment might make you more likely. The quick answer is that there's, you, you should keep a healthy lifestyle. That yes. will help for a lot of things. Is it a guarantee that you won't get an autoimmune disease? Is it a guarantee that you won't get cancer, God forbid? It's not. So keeping a healthy lifestyle is very important. Even when you have or if you're diagnosed with an autoimmune disease, keeping a healthy diet, a healthy weight, and a healthy activity level is very important. Nothing in life, unfortunately, is a guarantee. And again, it's not something you can track. If you, you can't say, I was in a room with a lupus patient. I caught lupus. You don't catch lupus. But if you have a family history, all you can do is keep a healthy lifestyle, arm yourself with knowledge of what symptoms should I be concerned about that I should bring to someone's attention. So if I do have this, I'm treated right away to prevent a severe flare, to prevent damage. Rheumatoid arthritis and psoriatic arthritis can cause joint damage in some patients if untreated. So you want to know early if you have this so you can be treated early to prevent progression of damage as well as treat symptoms. For inflammatory arthritis, rheumatoid or psoriatic or sometimes lupus, if let's say a young woman presents with arthritis. What, what do you mean arthritis? What kind of symptoms? So typically inflammatory arthritis tends to start in the small joints of the hands and feet, wrists, knuckles. So if you start to have pain in those joints, typically worse in the morning, they'll complain about a lot of morning stiffness, often hours, not five minutes, but hours of stiffness, swelling. I can't put my rings on. I can barely walk when I get out of bed. If a 25-year-old woman comes to you with those symptoms, that's not normal. So then you think about inflammatory arthritis, and rheumatoid arthritis is one type of inflammatory arthritis. Psoriatic arthritis is another type. Lupus is another type. So those are typical symptoms that we see. It's not your 75-year-old patient who has knee pain with walking. That's probably more osteoarthritis. So arthritis is a very broad term, but when you see a younger patient with a lot of arthritis, you have to start thinking, are we thinking about an inflammatory arthritis like a rheumatoid arthritis or a psoriatic arthritis or a lupus? Lupus can also involve, as we talked about, more skin, more eyes, sores in the mouth, other organ systems, so we'll ask about that as well. But a lot of times we think joints, and at least when people come my way, yeah. we're thinking joints. Is there anything else you'd like to add? I guess rheumatology is a, a great field to be in. As a, as a rheumatologist for many, many years, 
when people have these diseases, it can also be very overwhelming or depressing to get a diagnosis and think, what's my life going to turn into? But I guess I can say, having treated many patients over years, again, we have so many tools at our disposal that we can get patients with these illnesses into complete clinical remission, living a very normal life, working full time. I know lupus patients, rheumatoid arthritis, who run marathons, who race triathlons. These things are possible. So you don't have to think that's it. Life as I know it is over. You have to be treated. You need a rheumatologist. You need to follow regularly with your rheumatologist. A lot of these medications need to be monitored both for side effects and for labs. But our goal is complete remission. We try to get our patients there or as close as possible. So if you are diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis, lupus, psoriatic arthritis, or another autoimmune disease, realize that with proper care, there are lots of options to treat you, and the goal is clinical remission. Again, we, we don't always get everyone to full clinical remission, but that is our goal. We don't just say, you know, sorry, we'll do our best. You know, we hope we can help you. We really can help quite a bit. Oh, that's awesome. Well, thank you so much for having us today. Thank you very much. And that's it for today. So until next time, thanks for listening. If you have a topic you'd like for us to cover, submit your ideas on hmh4u.org backslash podcast. Your suggestion could be included in the You Asked For It special episodes. That's all for today. Until next Wednesday, thanks for listening. The material provided through this Help You podcast is intended to be used as general information only and should not replace the advice of your physician. Always consult your physician for individual care.